is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Hello. Listen, this isn't real, just saying, but at birth and in the months following, babies communicate a few things. Many of you will be quite well acquainted with this. Some of you won't be, but it's not going to be groundbreaking news to know that babies basically communicate two two things. I don't like it or I do like it. That's basically what they're saying. They might be they might be saying it about they're being they're hungry or they're in pain or they're tired or I want more. But as the months go on and um and they might even get to the dizzying heights of of going, oh, I really like that silly face that you just pulled. Can you do it again? All of these things are are communicated by some oohs and and ah that that's all they're doing they're they're all that's all the communication that they have and then something starts to happen as all the words that that mom or dad or carer speak to the baby and start to go in then they start to make sense and so some of those words start to come out and the baby starts to speak first of all it's did you did you say dada dada and it all happens by by accident and then more and more by repetition these things become really really solid and then they start to name things around them yeah so they'll, they'll be like ah juice or um or swing and it's just and they have to say it in very high voices obviously and <laughs> And and all, all that all that happens is that they're just naming things that are around them. I remember um, our eldest daughter, Eva, when when she was um, uh, it would have been a, around a year. This sort of stuff happens around a year. Sometimes it's a bit before. Sometimes it's a bit after. But her first word was it's a bit of a weird one. She said hair bubble, you know, the thing you tie your hair up with. So she, she was like air bubble. And and we were like, oh interesting first words Eva air bubble and and then those words gradually start to become more and more complex you see you can start to talk about possession you can say Eva's air bubble or you can say it's your things mama's air bubble or you can say negatives dada na air bubble or maybe even maybe even a, a joke Dada, hey. If if you want to put reactions up, that that's fine. You are allowed. You're, you're allowed to laugh at that. But you know, after a year or or two of of that kind of vagueness of of trying to work out what what is it you're you're trying to say, baby? I I I don't know. Their their world becomes wider and it's transformed by language. They get to they get to start linking ideas together. And, and start working out um, the, the, complex, the complexity of like, here's, here's consequences that, that if, if I do this, this happens, or they might start being creative and, and solving problems. And all of these things happen 
because we have words to help us build our ideas. It's a, it's a very, that's, that's a big part of how the brain starts to develop is that our words develop ideas, that they actually shape them. Now, last week, Graham spoke to us. I'm, I'm going to put baby down now because I can't do this the whole time. <laughs> Last week, Graham spoke to us um, fantastically from, from the book of James. Yes, uh, we are in James today, Graham. And, um, and he, um, we're going to look at that in just a moment. And he, he said that we are not saved by good deeds, but we are saved for good deeds. Now, those two little tiny words, for and by, help us to work out really, really important, eternal aspects of theology our relationship to God, our relationship to other people. These are deep truths which have been thought and mulled over and, uh, and taught for generation upon generation. And it hinges on two tiny words, for and by. Words are a really, really big deal. And in our passage today, James wants us to understand the power that they have. So um, in a moment, I'm going to invite Jenny to read James chapter three uh, to us. Um, but before we do that, I'm just going to pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word that is true. Lord, we thank you that even though it was written many hundreds of years ago, we, we know that you've got stuff to say to us today and we open up our hearts and we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome right here. Would you, through the word of God that we hear today, transform our hearts and transform our words? We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right, I'm going to pass my mic over to Jenny and she's going to read James chapter three to us. Okay, so James chapter three, I'm reading from the New International Version, uh, UK version. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring 
produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Thank you. Right. So in my Bible, this um, this passage is, is titled Taming the Tongue. Um, and that idea is by by no means um, a standalone in the Bible or indeed in the book of James. It's all over. OK, so when Paul's talking to the Ephesians in um, in chapter four, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And in to, in, to the people in Colossae, he says, but you must put away all of this anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't don't lie to one another, seeing that you've put off your old self with its old practices, um, uh, which sorry, I'm getting notifications here. Apologies. Um, uh, your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And that's from Colossians chapter three, verses eight to 10. Again, Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter five, and he says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So there's a certain expectation among us and that's for you amongst the wider world of what a Christian should sound like when you're talking with them. I was talking with a friend at work just, just the other day who was telling me a story of her sister who she described as quite religious. Um, and, and the story finished with, let me tell you, her response was not very Christian. People who are looking in on our faith know that there's a certain standard of language that they can expect to hear from a Christian. Um, and, and that's true. Just, just think of those verses that we've, we've just heard. But I want to alert you to something. This is not the swear talk followed by the talk next week. It's, it's not that, okay? Um, uh, what we're, what we're, I'm not going to tell you the words that you can say and the words that you can't. If you just, if you just change that B word to blooming or your blasphemy to, oh my gosh, then God will be happy. No, th this is not about rules. And let's, let's get rid of the rules out of here. Okay. Jesus came to fulfill the law and we stand in the good of all that he has done. That's our starting point. If, if we can read these words honestly and say, well, actually, Tim, I'm not doing too badly. There's no bad language that's passed my lips since 1994. Or maybe it's just a few weeks. Or maybe it was just because nothing bad happened in the football last night. Well, well done. But even if we're not having to put much money in the swear jar, but we're still struggling to remember the last time that we were encouraging to someone else, or we, were, we, we thanked someone else or we were gracious to them, then 
maybe we've still got a little bit of work to do. I know that I can generously be quite expressive and I get some nudges and kicks under the table at wedding receptions sometimes. And um, I, I'm just I'm just a bit loud. Um, and so bit of an odd person to be to be speaking on taming the tongue. But actually, look, I know that I'm speaking to myself here as well. And I know that sometimes I can be so in my own head that I need to be reminded to encourage others. Sometimes I can um, I can say things just so off the, off the tip of my tongue instead of being gracious, instead of being slow to speak and, um, slow, and, and slow to become angry. So I want us today to think about not what words should we say, but let's talk about why the words we use are important. Everyone we talk to is important. Okay, let's think of who we talk to. We, We talk to God, we talk to other people, and we talk to ourselves. Okay, and and when we talk to God, the Lord Almighty, the, the Holy One, the maker of all things in prayer, that's big. You've been made holy that you might approach God and call him your dad. And you know you can talk to your dad. In fact, he trusts you so much that he's asked you to represent the family business where you are. I... I I know that that sometimes when I approach God, I almost lose the words to to explain, the the words to to describe him. So often we we might use the word like awesome when actually we forget that actually that's that's an amazing God word to use. That's that's like, whoa, um, that's so magnificent. I'm I'm almost scared of it. That's an amazing way to, to describe the majesty of God is awesome and yet our words sometimes belittle what we what we really mean by it i remember um i remember matt waring uh who leads burton family church thank you so much for leading us burton family church this morning um in worship um matt was speaking about how he was always used the word just when he was uh, particularly when he was praying and it wasn't really a meaningful word it probably just filled in the gaps of what he of him thinking you know what words should i say next but the Lord challenged Matt on that. And I remember him sharing this. He said, God said to him, I don't just, just do anything. When you ask, I see the beginning and the end. Your prayers of faith do make a difference, but my answer is part of my everlasting ways. And I will guide you into that. And, and Matt stopped using the word just. So here's the amazing bit. In so doing, Matt's Matt's words started to affect his thinking and solidify his understanding of, ah, oh, this is what God is like. And his thoughts were his thoughts were changed by the words that he said. Jesus says, it's not what goes into the mouth that makes you unclean. It's it's the he's talking about the the um, food that Jewish people could were allowed to eat. It's not what what goes in that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth that that makes a bigger impact. And this is because part of that is your words have an effect on your thinking. Now, because Matt voiced that experience, like, like almost like a confession of how God challenged him, his words affected me. They've, they've helped me to think about the way I talk to God and the way I think about God. We, 
it's, it's important that we talk to one another about this and, and we and we share with one another about it you know so we talk to god with our words okay also we talk to other people who james says are made in the image of god he says look with one with, with the same mouth you're you're praising god but cursing people who are made in the image of god so what what's going on there have you ever ranted at the tv about an issue yeah uh, maybe the news is on uh, would you would you rant at, if that person was standing in the room with you why well why not generally if i if i do hear someone who's put down in the same room as me it, it won't sit right or if it was me saying it then actually i'll end up reflecting oh, i could have been more gracious i should i should have said something different there but i'll confess when it comes to seeing some stuff on the news seeing the seeing the government i can feel like i have a right to to share my point of view to them and they have a responsibility to do things better in the way that i say they should do it and now we do have a system of accountability where we can hold them to account sometimes we must speak the truth to power but the bible says speak the truth in love it is possible to express a different or disagreeing view graciously and the bible tells us to pray for our leaders and in an age where we are increasingly polarized and convinced of our own self-righteousness and and our own position we our leaders need real wisdom and understanding in in helping us all move together they need that far more than they need us telling them that they're rubbish and this doesn't just apply to the government but it also applies to the leadership here in here in the church and in the wider church and it applies to the leadership in our schools pray for them pray for the leadership in your jobs we're we're told to pray for our leaders so that we might have a a peaceful life a whole life now other ways that we can interact online can feel can feel similarly like removed because like we're not in the in the same room with people i can honestly say that in the couple of times where i've got into debates online on twitter or facebook or or whatever whatever it is they've not been building up they've not been gracious they've left me feeling quite empty twitter frankly is just not long enough to express complex ideas with any sense of compassion really well i i find that and often the the, the comment threads don't really change people's minds but they often do descend into a battle between people rather than a battle between ideas our words they have power over other people to encourage to build them up to build faith to speak the best of them to bring joy or to dismiss them to cut them down to shut them down to bring the whole mood of a room down what we say to others has an effect even the banter we use um amongst our friends might actually be quite cutting down and 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 if you that if if you make uh if you make it so that you can have people 
feeling very safe to be in the space that you're in and knowing that they're not going to get cut down. I I can guarantee, and this is, this is the same with my friends that we're so much happier to share what's really going on because we know that even the jokes we're not going to be judged by. It's so important. I want to read to you now, um, uh, just a, a section from uh, this book called A Mind of Their Own, written by Catherine Hill. It's um, all about building your child's emotional well-being in a post-pandemic world. So it's very current. And there's a wonderful story in here um, that I'd love to just share with you. Um, the, the author met a, um, a, a new teacher um, at, at a school. Uh, whose name was Lisa, who told me a wonderful story. She was a cookery teacher and had a new job in a school. And pretty soon, first parents' evening had come around. Claire's mum had booked in for one of the first appointments, and Lisa was able to tell her how well her daughter was doing. She said, Claire's a delight to teach. She always listens to instructions and has a real talent. The mum looked pleased, a little bit surprised, and moved on to the next desk to see the maths teacher. Two hours later, another parent comes for her appointment. Can you just remind me of your daughter's name, Lisa asked. Claire, said said the mum. And in that moment, Lisa realised she'd made this terrible mistake. It was this Claire who had been doing so well. The other Claire, totally different story. Has that ever happened to you as a teacher? If it, I'd, I'd love to know if it has. Um, she said, I realised it had gone wrong, but the first mother must have gone home and said something to her daughter because a fascinating thing began to happen. Claire number one began to change. She came to the lesson on time with the right ingredients and she listened and worked hard. Some time later, her mum told Lisa, I'll never forget that parents' evening. You were the first person to say anything positive about Claire. We noticed over the following days and weeks. We noticed over the following days and weeks that she started to try harder. Not not just getting better marks in cookery, but in all her other subjects as well. And then what happens? Experts, well, sorry, experts agree that positive words can change our thinking and our behaviour. This, The touching end to this story is that Claire goes on to become a cookery teacher herself, which I just think is brilliant. Um, But in our homes, particularly, words of affirmation are so important that, that, that in our families, people feel encouraged, that they can, that they can be themselves. Like in, that when we're talking to, to young people in church, when we're talking to old people in church, whoever they are, that they feel like, oh, here's a word of affirmation that's coming my way. And that changes the way that we think and the way that we behave. So we talk to God, we talk to other people who are also made in God's image, and we talk to ourselves who we're also made in God's image. How do you talk to yourself? 
if we're made in the image of God, then we are to talk like God does. He, with his words, he creates. He uses his power, which is available as we speak in the name of Jesus. And he declared, it is finished. It is finished. I don't know if he's forgiven me. Well, if you've confessed your sins, repented, turned around to follow God, then you are forgiven. He declared it on the cross. It is finished, which means that he has the final word. So don't try and wrestle that final word back off him because it isn't going to end very well. God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you, so do you say that you're ugly, that you'll never be as good as your neighbor? God says that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Do you say that your life is meaningless and that you can't trust him? God says that you are adopted into his family. Do you say that God is not interested in you? If you don't feel confident with these things, then then get into the word of God. Write it down. What does he say about you? Speak it out. Confront yourself with the truth of God's word every day. We speak to God, we speak to others, and we speak to ourselves. But listen, when when James is talking to us, he sa- he says this. He says, no human can tame the tongue. Hands up if you're a human. Put, put your hands up if you're a human with me today. Yeah? Hands up if you just heard me say from the Bible that no human can tame the tongue. What? So we've done this whole, we've done this whole preach and actually it turns out we can't do anything about it anyway. Should we just give up then? All of James's audience are human. So, so what is the point of, te- of James telling us what to do if he's also telling us that we can't do it? Now, I told you that this is not rule Sunday. So we're not meant to just try really, really hard to follow the law. James talks about this fresh water and salt water can't flow from the same spring. Jesus in, in John um, chapter 7, 38 says, that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. John then clarifies what Jesus is saying in verse 39. He says, by this, he meant the spirit. Okay, so this is the spirit that flows from within them as a river of living water. Let's look at that in a little bit more detail. This is one of Graham's favorite chapters in Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel's this big Old Testament prophet. And he's describing a vision of what the Holy Spirit is like as a river. And first of all, he sees water coming out from from the temple like a spring. Now, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So this spring flows from us. This flows deeper and wider and becomes a river. And this and, and it's fresh. Yeah, there's there's it's just packed full of life. There's so much life in it. It's full of fish. It, and it's so fresh that when it flows into the Dead Sea, which is just this super salty lake that nothing can live in, it makes everything in that dead space fully fresh, fully alive. And then the wonderful thing in verse 12 of, of Ezekiel 47, it says this, 
Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So look, if this grand river of the Holy Spirit is fresh and bringing life and bringing fruit, And this is the same Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us because we're that temple. Then getting our words to line up with all that power. Oh, well, maybe God can do that. Maybe Holy Spirit can do this. Holy Spirit sometimes does this very quickly and in a very decisive way in someone's life, renewing their mind with the mind of Christ. And the change is going to be very evident to people very, very quickly, in t- particularly in terms of what they say. And James says that this kind of wisdom, which comes from heaven, guess what? It bears fruit. It's not just, um, and it's not just that, it's peace-loving, it's submissive, it's full of mercy. Let's face it, the, the times when our tongues are off the leash of self-control, maybe through anger, maybe through alcohol, maybe through matching the, the language of our friends or families or, or, or colleagues, the, the words that they use. Well, are these things that we're saying, are they peace-loving or are they aggressive? Are they submissive or are they dismissive of other people? Are they full of mercy or are they more likely to be condemning? Jesus says that look, if you want this wisdom from heaven, um, but you don't have it, then you can ask for it. Here's another thing you do with your mouth. You just ask for it. You don't have it because you don't ask. So let's ask for it. James gives these, these similar examples of bearing fruit as well. It's not just Ezekiel who, said, who says the river bears fruit. James says it in chapter three. He says, he says can, can a fig tree bear, um, bear olives? And, and the whole this is just another way. Bearing fruit is another way that the Holy Spirit works in, in our lives. If you think about the way fruit grows, sometimes this can take a little bit longer. Paul describes it in the, in the letter to the Galatians. And it might take a bit of time for the seed to be planted. And as the tree starts to, to grow up, while it's still young and bendy, it's not really bearing much fruit. But, but And that might even happen for years. But as it becomes rooted and established, that tree grows stronger and flourishes with fruit. Jesus said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So let's be filled again with the Holy Spirit. It's not meant to be a one-time thing. And our mouths will change. But the, the flow of that river will come. Let's think about the way that we spend our time. What are our hearts full of? What can we do about that? So, so as we come to a close, um, we're, we're just gonna we're gonna answer some of these questions now. We're gonna just stop and answer some of these questions. Okay. Now, let's remember: there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's remember also that what James says in the words of this chapter is that we shouldn't deny the truth. So, in fact, let's let's just ask God these questions. Let's let's uh, uh, you can pray them in your I'll, I'll speak them out. You can repeat the words in your heart or maybe you want to say them out loud. God, 
you know my heart better than I know it. You see how I spend my days and my nights. Do you want more of my time? God, can you show me one or two things that have my time that I can give to you? Maybe things that I can do less. Or maybe moments that I can invite you into. Now, if you want to say this, you can go go ahead, but you don't have to. Lord, I want my heart to be so full of you that you overflow from my lips. So I give you these moments that you've shown to me. They are yours. Holy Spirit, would you come now and, and seal those things in my heart? Holy Spirit, would you come now in power and fill me once again that I might speak the truth and overflow with good and righteous things that build up other people that are full of grace. Lord, help me to tame my tongue and help me to understand the power to speak your life through it. If you agree with that prayer, you can say, Amen. Well, listen, it's been so good to be with you today. If you're, if you're thinking, actually, God has spoken to me a little bit, spoken to me about something and it might be something that's quite heavy it might be something that's quite straightforward whatever it is there may be some benefit in actually contacting someone else and going you know what god's been asking me to to do this to do this a little bit less or and and so often in these moments we might just have them as moments between us and god but as soon as we speak them out to someone else there's an accountability there. There's a bit of a, a power there that they can just say, hey, how's, how's that going? You contacted me the other day about it. How's, how's it going? I know that people have um, uh, pe- people have asked me to, to do that in, in the past, remind them of, of promises that God's spoken over them or, or where I've been honest and open with others. And we get to have these just really fruitful conversations. So why don't you, even if you can't, it might be too much to text just now, but just, just maybe message someone or put it on the church chat just um, to say, Hey, I need to need to talk to you uh, on, uh, you know, after the service, maybe it's just that. Um, But whatever you're doing for the rest of the day, bless you. It's been so good to be with you. Sunday morning.